Welcome into another episode of Crunch Time. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Theo the Juggernaut. Theo, how you doing, man? Doing good. Didn't blow off any fingers this weekend, but uh, some fireworks and some drones up in the air July 1st. And to all of you south of the border, enjoy the fingers. Do put your fireworks down on the ground. Don't point them at your neighbor and have a wonderful Independence Day tonight. I know, Joe, you're going to see some fireworks. Uh, big fireworks going on in St. Louis land for sure. Let's get right to it, bud. All right. So, you all right, he I says. mean, that's all he's got to say. All right. <laughs> Alrighty then, yes, yes, that's what I have to say because, you know what, there's a lot of things going on sports-wise. I mean, we just had the NHL draft. We just we just started free agency. Uh, I kind of want to go to the draft first, and I kind of this is going to be quick here. Uh, who in your mind were the winners and losers of this draft? Obviously, Connor Bedard going to Chicago Blackhawks. Anybody who got Connor Bedard was going to be the winner. Obviously, um, I think there was a little shakeup between two and five because I thought it would go one way and it went another way. Is that how you felt? And who are the winners and losers? Okay, so you give me your five. Go one through five. Okay, we all we both agree on Bedard. Okay, I thought Fantilli and Carlson were going to go two and three. I should say one through three because I thought Fantilli okay, and Carlson. So you thought Carlson and Fantilli were going to flip. Yeah, I thought Fantilli was going two and Carlson was going three. I'll agree with you on that. I mean, Fantilli, uh, you know, I thought if you don't look at the screen, Joe, and you had to listen to his voice, he sounds like he's 24, 25 years old. He's very mature. He plays a North American game, 200-foot player, University of Michigan, gold medal winner with Team Canada. Uh, very uh, a complimentary game to what they have with Zegras and McTavish. Uh, I felt that Fantilli would have been a better fit with the organization in Anaheim. We'll get to the free agency part later on, but I don't, I don't understand the culture or the mess up, the makeup, if you will, of putting Carlson in at two, unless they feel he's some sort of next coming of Timu Solani, which that was Finnish, not Swedish. Got to get your meatballs right, boys. Uh, in Anaheim, it's. I thought Fantilli would have been a two. Um, not to say that Carlos is not a bad player. Let's be honest, but uh, Fantilli was Fantilli slipping a bit, as well as Montreal. I mean, I looked at Montreal's pick at five, with uh, what was Carey Price did it very well. Uh, Ryan Bacher. Um, give that guy a cue card, by the way. I mean, he's been through so much this last year. Like, set the guy up for success. Don't put him in Johnny Free's spot. My gosh, that was the worst thing about the draft. First day, at least. Um, but it'll be remembered forever. And, uh, you know, Ryan Backer's a big defenseman, but I don't know. I mean, you had Matt Mitchkov there. And that's the enigma. That's the anomaly. You and I talked over the course of that first couple of game, first couple of picks. And if he slid any further past Philly, I think he would have ended up in St. Louis. He could have been the next coming of a Vlad Tarasenko. Mitchkov's not a coming for three years. I get that. I understand that. We all know that. And to be quite frank, there are only two or three players that would make the NHL opening lineups of the top 31 picks, 32 picks. So... I don't understand why Montreal didn't take Mitchkov. But 
I agree. One was for sure. Two and three flipping. The five was the big one. Um, not since 2007, Joe, have we not seen a single trade in the first round. So if you want to call it status quo draft, if you want to call it a 1980s draft, if you want to call it a monotonous, boring draft, call it what you will. Um, you're betting on potential. You're totally betting on potential. And on the Michkov front, I, I've heard he's had kind of attitude problems. And that is why he wasn't drafted where he was. Or that's why he was drafted where he was down low. But, you know, those can easily be worked on. Unless he's uncoachable, unteachable, then... Yeah, that, that makes more sense. But I, I don't know, Theo. I just heard maybe he had some attitude problems. You know what? He's a young teenager. Tell me a young teenager, Joe, that doesn't have attitude problems right now. Let's be real. You know, it's uh, just one of those things that, you know, he's he's playing in St. Petersburg. He's playing on a KHL team that's got a big budget. They've locked him in for three years. What's going to happen to this kid in the next three years? I hope Philadelphia has good rapport and good relations or still will build good relations with that team because, you know, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. You also have to remember that Washington was number eight. And if Ovi had a chance to be Mitch Goff's, uh, you know, mentor, maybe he wouldn't have got to 10. But it's about building those relations, having that rapport with the junior teams. And the KHL teams don't have good rapports with the NHL. I mean, KHL players or KHL teams want talent just as much as the NHL because their chip on their shoulder is that they are a good profile A1 elite league. They just don't take care of their players the same way, and it's Mother Russia. Yeah, but Russia, anything about Russia scares me. So I'm, I'm glad these guys are surviving and able to play hockey. You know, that that's, I mean, these Russian players got to have some balls and they got to be respected because of what they're going well, through. They got to watch um, the too. I mean, exactly, exactly. So the St. Louis Blues and them. Ask, oh, yeah, ask, the, ask the guys. They, they're not going to come out and tell you otherwise. I mean, I'll probably get banned from Russia for what I just said. But, yeah, it's a big deal. The St. Louis Blues at 10 took Dalibor Dvorsky. And I saw a goal he scored recently at Blues Prospect Camp, and I'm like, wow, wow. Um, only had 14 points last season. I'm sure it was mostly because of injury because he looks really good. He's really big. Uh, I'm kind of shocked in this draft that the St. Louis Blues went – center heavy or forward heavy knowing that they have a need on defense but that their need on defense is right now so it's not like they could go draft somebody at number 10 and he'd be ready opening night against Dallas so I kind of understand it I mean I'd have to look at the Blues depth chart and see what kind of depth they have at center because this was a very interesting draft to me yeah, I mean, for St. Louis, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think what their philosophy in round one was take the best player on the board. I think that was the philosophy for all the teams, and which is why we didn't see any trades in the first round. 
taking two centers, keeping all three picks. Um, yeah, the depth chart up the middle. I mean, I think what they were doing is they – I think St. Louis feels confident that they can do some kind of trade with Tory Krug. I also think that they feel confident with the five out of seven, five out of eight defensemen they have locked up already to lead them into this year at least. But also I think that they are they considered the fact that they lost Tarasenko and O'Reilly at the, near the deadline last year, and that was priority one. So with priority one and drafting the best player available, I think is where they – took that step in that direction in the first round. But yeah, like you mentioned, Joe, it's, you know, which, which, uh, which hole do you wish to address first? And I think they wanted to look at the O'Reilly Tarasenko thing versus the defense that, yeah, they're low thirties, but you know, that chemistry needs to be uh, readdressed. And I think that there might be some trades or there might be some pickups here in the coming week to help address, like you said, St. Louis in the now. You know, I could see this team, looking at the forward lines, I see this team as a playoff team still. I, I, I will continue to think that way because it seemed like when this team got uh, to the point where, you know, they were playing with each other a little bit more after the O'Reilly and Tarasenko trades, it just seemed like they got better. They it, they got I, I can't tell you how much better they got because the defense was still awful. I mean, they did hire two coaches and fired the defensive coach in Van Ryan. So maybe this is a chance for them to reset defensively. Maybe. But then again, you still have the overgrown baby and Colton Pareco. <laughs> I mean it was signed until twenty forty. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, maybe not 2040, but like 2030 at least. 28, 29. Yeah. So he's, unless you can teach him not to be an overgrown child on the ice, I mean, have the tantrums of an over, overgrown child, but don't, don't play like, you know, a child that has never stepped on the ice before. Especially when you have a 6'6 six, six frame, 6'7 six, frame. Like, come on. Come on. Just, Play better, man. You, we know you have it, dude. Just use it. And were there any? But was there anybody else, Theo? That you? Yeah. Um, for sure, for sure. I mean, I I look at um, obviously the top five teams that were drafting had you know they have very good prospects in those top five. I get it. After that, though, I look at what Calgary did. At 16, not taking who Winnipeg took, uh, going, uh, you know, Hanzo or with Vancouver, playing with the giant, playing on the West Coast in the WHL. I thought they missed the mark with Kobe Barlow. And Winnipeg saw him slip all the way to 17. A lot of uh, draft insiders had the forward in the top 10 in Central Scouting. And he slipped again all the way to 17, just like we saw with several years ago when a young Connor Kyle Connor gets uh, slipping down to the Jets and they pick him up as well. Or I think for some reason, Winnipeg is getting players to slip down. First one was Kyle Connor. Then you had Cole Perfetti. And then you get this gentleman, Colby Barlow, who probably grows a beard thicker than I do. 
because uh, he's had one since he was nine years old. This guy scores from everywhere. Plays a 200-foot game. He gets greasy in the corners uh, when he plays. He's only he's a second-year captain. Um, the guy showing tremendous upside. He has a he has a bit more sandpaper to his game, a little more grit, which is why Rick Bonus and Chevy like to pick him up in one. I'll be honest with you as well. I watched the philosophy for a lot of the Canadian teams. A lot of them stayed away from American-born players. And then you look at the Winnipeg Jets, they only drafted one player that wasn't Canadian. And he lives in Minnesota, which is directly below Manitoba. And he plays for Shattuck St. Mary's. So, I mean, good pedigree there. But I liked Winnipeg's draft in particular. I liked what they did with uh, Jacob Julian out of London. Moreover, I loved what they did with Tomas Milic, who is a goaltender that played for the Seattle Thunderbirds, who won the Western Hockey League Championship this year. He had a 2.08 goals against average. He was 17-3. and three. He had a 9.28 save percentage. This kid is 19. Uh, he is almost ready to go in the next year or two. He could be the heir apparent to Connor Hellebuck. The only knock on him is he's 6'1". Six, six not a big knock. He's not 5'10", but he's a smaller goalie. But I really like what the Jets did. I kind of like what Chicago did. And I'm going to also pick on the um, the Carolina Hurricanes. I think they did well, too. Those are my big guys so far. Uh, again, but we're drafting on potential. We're not drafting on what we know. We know that they were great players in junior or overseas. We just don't know what they're going to amount to in the NHL. I mean, time will tell on that. I mean, most of these prospects, unless you're Connor Bedard in this draft, are probably two, three years away. I mean, you're not going to have a top three, top four going to be in the NHL this year. So, um, and and to be honest with you, going back to Connor Bedard, I don't think he's even ready for the NHL because it, look how big he is. He's he's small, man. Like he's he will get he will get knocked around against big the big guys in the NHL. Unless he has someone to protect him on Chicago that I'm not thinking of, he's going to have a tough first year. Look at what look at what the Chicago Blackhawks did in free agency. Let's not forget that on defense they have Seth Jones. Not that he's like the menace, not like he's the big aggressive guy, but he's the big dude that'll take care of some people. Moreover, you added a, the journeyman in Corey Perry. And you also added Taylor Hall, who was a Hart Trophy winner several years before he made it to Boston. So you've got goal scoring, you've got grit, potentially to play alongside Connor Bedard. Is that size? No. But what that is, is maturity and veteranship that's going to tell the kid where to go and where not to go. Where to keep his head up and where he can, you know, skate like the wind. you got to catch Connor Bedard to hit him. Number one. And number two, he's silky. Number three, he's not as silky as Connor McDavid. But here's the deal. Yes, he is young. He's a mature teenager. He's not a mature man. And like you said, you go against guys like, you know, let's pick on your defense. You go against a Brandon Dillon. You go against a Shen. You go against a uh, what you would call it. Um, go against a Nick Letty. You go against guys like that, Victor Hedman. Yeah, there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. But let's uh, say the Blues and Blackhawks play each other, and Colton Pareko decides to be a man and hits Connor Bedard. 
he might be done for a while. I mean, I'd, look, look how big Colton Perico is. That that's the point I'm trying to make here. If you get hit by guys that size, you're done for a little bit. I mean, well, let's, come on. Let's pump the brakes here because Colton Pareko he's 180 is like, pounds soaking wet, Theo. Like sure, you said, he's he's a, so if Colton Pareko wants to lay out Connor Bedard. Colton Pareko, and this is the difference between the NHL ten years ago and the NHL today as well. The NHL is going to protect its star players. And if Colton Pareko decides to be, like you said, the misfit baby or the clean baby, that's the choice he's going to have to make. If he wants to lay out Connor Bedard, not that I want him to, he's going to have to keep his arms down, his elbows down, his shoulders down. Because we flag every single hit, according to the NHLPA and their player safety committee, that there's any way, shape, or form there's an intent to injure as a, versus an intent to playing the game of hockey tough, then whoever decides to hit these players gets immediately flagged, fined, suspended, bad-wrapped, all that jazz. The toughness of the NHL, the enforcer of the NHL, is continued to be removed so that the all-star finesse talent goal scorers can show off and give the audience, for whatever reason, a one-dimensional type of game. They want to one see those star players score goals and fill nets. They want goaltenders to stop the pucks and make dazzling saves. And what happens in the middle, nobody watches the highlights. Because there aren't any. Name another sport right now that does not show a continuous play on a highlight reel longer than five or eight seconds. I can't. Outside of NASCAR, well, even NASCAR shows crashes. NASCAR shows amazing passes between, you know, Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Harvick and all that jazz. You'll see from top to bottom the starting aligning scrimmage of an NFL highlight to a bone-crushing hit, or to amazing catch in the end zone. You'll see sacks, you'll see this, you'll see all different types of the game, parts of the game that make the entire game. But the NHL shows two things. Goals, saves, and that's it. How do you draw an audience to just seeing highlights like that? Also, you don't have networks that want to give the time and the attention to it. Now I'm on a tangent. Sorry, Joe. Just It's just one of those things that you're not doing a, an, you're not doing the game justice by just showing off those dimensions of a very elaborate game. You'll agree with me on this, Joe. It's the hardest game on any surface to play. Balance on those two little edges, good luck. The amount of strategy and change in possession, change in space, change in speed, all of that is not even equated or measured against any other sport. That is why yeah. hockey is so amazing. But yet mm -hmm. it gets no fanfare because what does it do? It shows off how elitist it is because it's so bloody expensive to play. 
All they show is the goal scorers. So everybody wants to be Gretzky, McDavid, Crosby. Nobody wants to be Gudis. No one wants to be Pat Maroon. When's the last time you saw a Craig Kalorn jersey in Tampa that's now going to be in Anaheim? Seth Jones jerseys ain't flying off the shelf. It's all about the highlights, the stars. I get it. Yeah. You know, but the, the NHL has to do a better job marketing that. Which gets me into my theory later on. We'll get to that later. But let's carry on with the draft. Let's get to free agency because I tell you, Joe, I'm surprised St. Louis hasn't taken this Tory Krug situation and said, listen, pal, give us teams you want to play with. Because you're not even doing that for us. No, he's not. And that Kevin Hayes trade almost didn't happen because of Tory Krug and his no trade clause. That's why I can't stand um, Doug Armstrong sometimes. If you look on that defense, no trade cause, no trade cause, no trade cause, no trade cause. Like five or six. You can't be giving out these no trade clauses like Halloween candy, man. You can't you can't be doing that. Yeah, we talked about that last night. Absolutely. And when you look at that roster, there should be one, maybe two players that get no trade clauses. And they gotta go to star players. Those aren't star players on the D line. Sorry. I mean, they thought Colton Pareko was going to be a star, but, you know, who knows? He could turn into that in his 30s. I don't know. I'm just – I'm trying to be positive here. I mean, you do have Nick Letty. You do you do have Tory Krug. By the way, Tory Krug is probably the worst defensive defenseman ever. He's more of an offensive player. Should be a forward for all I care. Um, you know, you do have uh, Scott Brunovich who could – uh, quarterback your power play, but can he stay healthy? Um, they did go out and get a, get Mackenzie McEachern back, and I'm kind of shocked this guy actually left the Blues to begin with because, you know, who on this team besides Braden Shen is going to fight for anyone? Who on this team is going to fight for anyone and put up a fight? I mean, uh, from the forward, forward perspective, you have – Goal scorer upon goal scorer in this team, but you don't have any grit. McEachern did give you a little bit of that. Now, I'm not saying it's it's not Ryan Reeves by any means, which, by the way, I can't believe he's still out there. Um, but they need grit, and maybe with the McEachern signing, maybe it's a good thing. Uh, Joshua Jacobs signing him, maybe it's, I, I think, defensive depth, maybe. The Blues only have three and a half million dollars on the cap as of right now. If you get rid of one or two of those defensive contracts, they could work out better. At least they, I think they could get a couple of things, good things in return for these guys. But again, you have the no trade costs. And that's, I mean, tell an employee at Chick-fil-A that I can't get rid of you. Because you're playing like crap. Like, I know I'm not comparing apples to apples, but when an employer is not happy with the employee and I can't move you or I can't make better amends for anything, why? Like, why? You know, like, where has, why has the power gone to the player so much? that an organization can't do what's best for the organization. 
I mean, the player deserves, especially if he's been in the league, some power if he's been in 10 or what is he, 8, what is 10 he years. What has he earned? A pension. He's earned millions of dollars in his personal bank account. Generational wealth. And if he's lucky, a Stanley Cup. What is he? Or what is his return on the investment? Because he gave a, a freaking parade to St. Louis in 2019? Let's be real. What else have those defensemen given the St. Louis Blues except headaches? You got a point. Not disagreeing with you there at all. No, that's... Uh, I mean, look at Riley Smith, for example, that just won a Stanley Cup in Vegas. Okay? Not the big show guy that he had to be, but he's been there for a while. Good utility guy. Gets traded to Pittsburgh. Look at the two goaltenders that won Stanley Cups this past year with Vegas. One's now back in Winnipeg. One signed with the Rangers. And they signed their heir apparent to a two-year, $4.5 million deal. So it's not what you've done for me. Which it's what you're doing for me now versus what have you done for me in the past. And the no-trade clause is keeping these kids, keeping these young men, these veterans now, in the idea of I'm going to line my pocket. I did all this for you in the grand scheme of things. But right now, all I'm worried about is getting paid. It's selfish to me. I'm sorry. I, I mean, you let, you let employees go because they're insubordinate. Colton Pareko, you're not hitting anybody. Colton Pareko, you're not being aggressive. Colton Pareko, I'm picking on Colton Pareko, by the way, because I know you love it so much. Colton Pareko, you're letting players go goal side. Colton Preco, you're not clearing the front of the net properly. A guy that's These are all things that you're supposed to do as a defenseman. Have you checked any of those box offs in 2019? Then why am I paying you $5.8 million till 28-29? Oh, because I have a no trade clause and because it's a guaranteed salary. Oh. Okay. Could hurt the franchise in the long run, but you know, I I do like the Blues did to fortify their future a little bit in the draft. Uh, free agency, they didn't do much. They again three point five million, and if you move a contract or two, that that'll free up some space for sure. Um, some other things in free agency, I I saw a couple guys from Winnipeg move. I'm like, wow, like Blake Wheeler oh, gone. Yeah. We have- I mean. Yeah, that was going to happen. I mean, that came out in the news uh, before the draft, like right before I, the draft. I know, but still, but, uh, but still, I mean, if, okay, let me rephrase that. It wasn't free agency. I'll get to some free agency here in a second, but that shocked me a little bit. I, I knew heads were going to roll a little bit, knowing you didn't have a have a captain in uh, in Winnipeg all year. So I, I knew something was going to happen. I think. It was, I think what happened was a little on the extreme side, but hey, that's just me. It's a business. You know, it's it a business. I mean, here's a guy that was making eight and a half million dollars. Here's a guy that for, I'm not going to, uh, you know, speculate, but you know, there's, there's a change in the quorum. There's a change in the Senate going on in the locker room in Winnipeg Jets. It's getting younger. It's realizing that, you know, that year, 
when St. Louis won the cup was their best chance of doing what they needed to do. Then they went into the bubble years and they faced Montreal and they played Montreal. And that could have been a year that they could have went to the Stanley Cup. And then, then it fizzled out because you don't have a good, consistent locker room. That's been yeah. noted in the papers for the last two years. Well, so, and okay. PLD didn't help things. Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't help things in that locker room. You know what? Pierre-Luc Dubois... I tell this to my kids when I teach them all the time, Joe. You have a choice. Okay, what you do and your choice either way has ramifications. PLD, God bless Los Angeles. Good luck, Mr. Kopitar and Mr. Dowdy. And I don't think Rob Blake is going to have a future in Los Angeles as head of that organization for long after this trade. Because... He is, he's venomous. He's not a cancer. He's a venomous person. What happened in Columbus as soon as he gets drafted? He had one breakout playoff bit where he was like, wow, this guy scored some points in two playoff rounds. Wow. What does he do? He cries and he whines and he wants out of Columbus. So then you get a flip of a two and a three. With Winnipeg to get to Winnipeg, you know, same swan song. Looking forward to a new opportunity, new challenge. Canadian border, yeah. His dad's coaching the Moose at the time. Awesome. Well, his dad leaves. Oh, and we see the old PLD show up again. I'm not going to sign a contract. I'm not going to sign an extension. I don't want to be here. I don't like it in Winnipeg. I need out. So then the Jets get a King's Ransom for PLD, which was unbelievable. Again, Chevy probably saved his job for the time being with this trade. You pick up a 29-year-old Alex Iafalo, who scored 36 points last year. You picked up a Gabe Velarde, who's 23 years old, who picked up 41 points last year. Last time I checked, 41 plus 36, if I do my math, is 77, which is more than what PLD scored last year in 63. And we have even brought up Rasmus Kupari, who was a first-round draft pick a couple years ago, who's just starting his career, who might have the same equivalent upside as a Quinton Byfield, who still is a massive question mark in L.A. Kingsland because we don't know what he's going to do. But Rasmus had 15 points in 20, and he's 23 years old. So you take three roster spots for one roster spot right now in the present. I don't know, Winnipeg didn't win that trade. And he can be venomous on the West Coast. It could get ugly for the LA Kings. That's for sure. You uh <laughs> I mean, you got a King's Ransom for him. I mean, you were going to anyway. I always thought, I personally thought Quentin Byfield was going to go back to Winnipeg. I really did. And if they don't know what he's going to be in LA, maybe a new start is what he needed. Imagine Quentin Byfield in Winnipeg. Byfield and you know, that, that's, are the two guys that need to fill Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's, it's up to Anzi Kovatar so, and Drew Doughty uh, in their last final year. To set them up. If they don't set up PLD for success, then they're just going to see the same thing happening. 
Exactly. They are. So um, you need these guys to come up big. And I mean, again, you're going to see some decline in, in performance from, from those two guys, Dowdy and Kopitar. I mean, obviously, they're in their late 30s. Uh, have been playing in the NHL for years, have won a couple cups, three, two or three cups. I mean, if those guys can't set you up for success, you're, you're not coachable even at that point. You're not even coachable. And we've heard about guys over the years who weren't coachable. I mean, look at uh, Patrick Laine. Look at Patrick Laine in Winnipeg. So ex- uh, exactly my point there. Now, what did you see in free agency? Who were the winners? Who were the losers? I saw, you know who I saw as a loser in my mind, even though they signed a lot of players, those players are old, okay? These players are old, older anyway. The Pittsburgh Penguins. It seemed like they went all in again. They 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 don't even know the word rebuild, do they? I mean, at this point, you got an you got an old Sidney Crosby. They didn't make the playoffs last year. You still got Evgeny Malkin. I think their run is over. But yet they go out and sign these old fogies to contracts. I think I saw a couple of long-term contracts in there too. What the hell is Pittsburgh doing? Well, okay, so Pittsburgh has Sid, Gino, Latang. They re-upped Tristan Jari, who I think still is a very good young goaltender. That's four big pieces. Right, right. I mean, there's some young guys on that team. Let's be honest here, Theo. I'm not saying the whole team's old. It's just the guys that you care about on that team are old. Maybe not Gensel. But the rest, they're old. They're past their prime. They're uh, stale bread by now. I mean, they're not... I I know it's kind of hard to... uh, compare them to stale bread, but in terms of how old they are, yes. Okay. Well, here's the philosophy of this first week of free agency, really. It's not about trading superstars. You know, it's about getting those utility and substance players onto rosters. Like, let's be real. You talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sure. How much money in free agency did they really spend? Most of those players are making anywhere from less than two to seven seventy-five. You know, they're not making crazy dollars. They're just like the Rangers, basically. I had the Rangers as the big question mark. You know, Chris Drury's running the helm there, and he's saying, who wouldn't want to be a New York Ranger? Well, he signed nine new players for a balmy $7.1 million. And these are names like Nick Padino. Blake Wheeler, like we said, Johnny Quick, Tyler Pitlick, to name a few. These are guys that are veterans. These are guys, yes, they're on their way out, but think about what they do to a team. Think about what they do to that locker room. Think about what they do to that culture and that chemistry that's the potential. Now, obviously, the big question is when you replace nine starters with nine fresh faces to the organization – you're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way. It's not going to be a yellow brick road. But let's look at the past Stanley Cup winners. Outside of Tampa that did a really good run for three years because they had solid D, solid goaltending, and pretty good fast forwards, 
the recipe for success has always been different. It's like a Frank Sinatra song. I'm going to do it my way. Colorado did it their way. The reason why Colorado won the Stanley Cup wasn't because of number 29 or Landeskog. They had guys like Nazem Kadri show up. Nukushkin showed up. And they had a backup goaltender that couldn't get a sniff of an A1 goaltending spot anywhere in the NHL come to fruition and be lights out. Same thing with Vegas. Mark Stone wasn't the highlight. Jack Eichel wasn't the highlight. Who was the highlight? Marcia Stone. A defense core that was unbeatable in their own end. And a goaltender, goaltenders that were surprising to be between the pipes because you had Johnny Quick sitting on the sidelines. They did it their way. Colorado did it their way. Whoever thought whoever thought Aiden Hill would be a Stanley Cup goaltender? I'm not ta- I mean, I'm not dogging him by any means. He's a good goaltender. I just didn't think he was Stanley Cup material. He didn't have to be a good goal. He had to be a good goaltender. He had to make the save when it mattered. But those Vegas Knights defensive core was the highlight of that team. And your boy, Peter Angelo, was the leader of that group. Yeah. And so was Barbashev on the offensive end. He put up some numbers. And he resigned in Vegas. And he's getting so good good on him. Good on him. Yeah. So let's go back to the whole let's go back to all this draft stuff because it's the it's the free agency of utility guys. Okay. I'm gonna run through some guys that have moved around. And the common denominator is players that aren't your first liners, but rather except for one um, that I'll mention here. You have guys that have moved around that are now um, utility guys. Here we go. Like you mentioned, Ryan Reeves. I don't know what he's still doing in the league. He's going to protect those all-stars on the first line in Toronto. Signed 1.5 or 1.65 for three years. That'll be his last last contract probably because he's like 35 or 36. Milan Lucic in Boston. Don't expect big minutes out of the guy, but he's going to be rough. He's going to be rugged. He's going to pound some heads. Uh, let's look at uh, Kalorn and Gudis, both going to the Ducks. Tough guys, bottom six forwards, give you eight to 11 minutes, maybe pump in 20 points apiece. Rough tumble guys. Okay. Uh, where else am I going with this? Then you got a little bit of talent. Ryan O'Reilly leaves the, high, the spotlight in Toronto to go to Nashville, where they have to fill up two voids. Losing Johansson and Maddie Duchesne. Duchesne going to the stars. So the only highlight in Max, so and then Max Domi goes to Toronto trying to fill up Ryan O'Reilly's spot. Again, tough guy, younger guy, going back home to where he was born, where dad's at, all that stuff. Wonderful. Other than that, Joe, it's all about the utility guys and the guys that make the rest of the pie. They're the ones on the inside of the jigsaw puzzle. I'm gonna use I could go on and on and on with analogies. They're the food for the trees. The bottom line is utility players, substance players, grit players, players. This I'm gonna go off on this one. 
players that have a little bit of a playing style like a Matthew Kachuk were the players that have wanted to be looked for in free agency. Matthew Kachuk, I'm going to give him props here, is probably one of the prototypical style players that the NHL teams want to have on their lineup. Over 90 points. And, and didn't, I, didn't I tell you, Theo? I go, didn't, didn't I tell you? I go, that could be the missing piece of Florida. And they damn near won a Stanley Cup. Took out the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins. A record-setting Boston Bruins team. Yeah. Took out Toronto in the second round. Yeah. Went to the third round. Like it was no big deal. You go to the you go to the pinnacle in a Stanley Cup final. Yes, you lose, but you had a hell of a run. And Matthew Kachuk was a big player in that playoffs. Man, you you can't not tell me. I remember telling you when the playoffs were going on, he could be the guy. And, but I was right there, wasn't I? I I went out on a limb saying that, and Matthew Kachuk I mean, proved me right. You know, but. Okay, from a from a superstar, from a star player quality, you know, you, you knew Alex Barkov wasn't going to take the spotlight. You knew, uh, like, there wasn't a player on Florida that was going to take that spotlight better than Kachuk, and he took that energy and he ran with it. Yes, outside of having a busted sternum in the finals. Who knows what could have happened? You had to bust this guy's chest just so he wouldn't play in the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot of players would have finished a lot sooner than him. But here's a guy. I mean, the, the style that he plays, the effort that he gives, the game that he plays uh, was is very much the qualities to what NHL teams look for in the first three or four days here free agency. Yeah. So, and speaking of free agency, there's still a lot of guys on the board, Theo, that I couldn't, can't believe are on the board. Patrick Kane. Oh, well, Patrick Kane's going to be out for a while, but still. Matt Dumba, Vladimir Tarasenko, Patrice Bergeron, Thomas Tatar, Maxime Comtois, Jonathan Tays, Oscar Sundquist, Dennis Garyanov, and Pius Suter. That is a pretty good lineup for a team right now. That's but here's the thing with that, Theo. These guys are holding out for bigger deals. Vladimir Tarasenko in general, since I'm a blues fan, is probably holding out for a six or seven year deal, maybe eight. But the thing is, he is 31 years old. He did only score 20 goals last year. He isn't the same guy he was. It's amazing what, what kind of deal is he going to get? That remains to be seen. Are they going to pay him for what he did? No, you're not. You're not going to. Tarasenko is not like Tarasenko hurt his uh, value by going to New York and not getting out of the first round. As and Patrick Kane is injured, so no one's going to pay an injured guy for not until he shows up. Johnny Taves is injured in a different way. He's not going to be getting a big long-term deal. And he probably does not want to play anywhere else but Chicago. He's going to be a, he's going to be a lifer till he's retired. Uh, Thomas Tatar, 
he's not a top six forward anymore. So, I mean, case in point, you know the Rangers would maybe offer a sub deal to Patrick Kane to come back for a half season when he's ready. They're not going to offer Tarasenko anything because they realize that that experiment was wasted. They've already replaced it with nine other names. Utility guys that are going to come in and do the mix. So, I mean, you've got Zibanejad, you've got Panarin, you've got, apparently the Rangers are shopping Alex Lafreniere, which they've already signed. I don't know if they're going to do a sign and trade deal for him. But like you mentioned, those names, you, like Patrice Bergeron, could you see him wearing another jersey besides a Boston Bruins jersey? <laughs> Cardinals when he did. I know it's a different sport, but that's kind of the same legacy player we're talking about here. And he did. True. So, remember when he left St. Louis in 2011? Nobody ever thought he was going to leave St. Louis, and he did. So, so, that's just... Do you want to go... Go ahead. I just don't see like the if for what these players want versus what they're going to receive is going to be a big difference for a lot of them. And reality checks are going to come and play. It really is. Exactly. You're not as good as you thought you were. You're getting older. The NHL is a younger league. Yeah. So I yeah, I would agree with that as well. The do you want to go to your theory? Do you want to go to uh, MO, the MOE All-Star game? All-Star week, I should say. I will do either or. You pick. Let's go to your theory. Let's go to your theory. Okay, so here's my theory. Uh, we kind of touched on it briefly with marketing the NHL. And how we only see highlights of goals and amazing saves. If whomever even thought about this last night, because I'm thinking to myself, I know some people in the broadcasting world. I know some people that could, you know, I could bounce ideas off. What if, now TSN, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Joe, TSN has five channel feeds available. Several local ones that will play local NHL games. But more yeah. often than not, when you turn it on every morning, there is Sports Center that is repetitive for six straight hours. Five feeds. Same show since 6 a.m. to 11 o'clock in the morning. Every single day except for when there's F1 racing where they might show one or two. Sportsnet is the same way. They have regional coverage. But more often than not, it's the same programming. Now, Hockey Canada has done a poor job in giving hockey the sport even an opportunity. And I'm going to start that I'm going to start off by saying that. They are promoting the elite of elite players through world juniors, under 18s, global tournaments, NHLers. 
They have put all of these players on billboards, marketing campaigns, sponsorships, you name it. Hockey Canada's job is not to promote the 0.1% of 1%. Their job is to part- get participants and the game to anybody who wishes and wants to try and excel them through those ranks. Now, they can't do that because every young kid wants to put on a 97 or a 29 in Colorado or an 87 in Pittsburgh. Those jerseys will fly off the rack. Why aren't we promoting the junior ranks? Why aren't we promoting junior Or a 34 in Toronto. Or sure, 34 too. Sure, he's fine. He's from Phoenix. Who cares? The major deal is this. Why are we not tailing people to be promoting juniors and junior hockey programs? We just lost the Winnipeg Ice a couple of weeks ago in Winnipeg. It was a story for maybe five minutes, and it's been non-existent since. Wouldn't have happened. I feel strongly about this. Wouldn't have happened if the CHL, the Canadian Hockey Leagues, and the provincial hockey programs were given an opportunity to show off their talents. Yeah, we don't want to show it off because we're going to lose fans in the stands. Well, I can't go to Ontario to watch the Owen Sound attack play the London Knights on any given day. But if I was able to watch some of those stars play, maybe I'd have an idea of some prospects coming through the pipes. Maybe I'd see who my Winnipeg Jets or your St. Louis Blues are looking at. Or what if I had Vancouver Giants playing the Medicine Hat Tigers? I'm not traveling to either one of those cities anytime soon, but I could definitely check out prospects. I think if I wanted to promote the game, I would do that. That was the goal for the Winnipeg Ice back in the day, to show up to Winnipeg and to bring those talents. I remember watching a young Dylan Cousins taking on a young Connor Geeky. And man, was that special. Watching Zach Benson play this year, he is going to be a gem. He is small, but he is fast and he's quick. Connor Geeky fills out. He's going to be an amazing player in Phoenix. Watching those young talents in person, but also the opportunity to see them highlighted on whatever coverage they had, the, the 15 seconds of fame they got versus the 55,000 minutes Connor McDavid gets is a huge issue I have with this sport in this country. You want to change it? Set up, you know, Rogers has a CHL game of the week. Make it five days a week. Make it three days a week. Give these kids an opportunity to be seen nationwide. Not just in a glimpse or a little pinch of time that they are given, but make it part of your network. Make it part of your programming. Without competition, there is no innovation. Without competition, healthy competition, there is no opportunity for growth and progression. Do that for the sake of the game and the players. Give them their opportunity to show off. Then you might see younger kids donning different jersey, spending time doing something else instead of being on whatever they're doing. It's got to start somewhere, and Hockey Canada has to start doing it now.
perfect receptions would promote the sport that they created. You 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 think that they'd promote it better, but no. And that's where TV networks come in hand. And I really don't want to go into that because I know go I'll go on a tangent myself. Gotta ask you about. I mean, you have Vladdy uh, Guerrero Jr. participating in the home run derby. You have a very good team in Toronto. I, I don't care what you say; they are a good team in my mind. They're just in a very tough division with a very tough team in Tampa. Tampa's been losing, you know, gets gained some ground on that. You have an all you have an all star lineup. You want to talk about an all star game every day for some of these teams? Look at the Toronto Blue Jay lineup. It's scary. Rangers, who by the way were down ten to one yesterday and came back and tied at ten ten, obviously lost the game, but still, you have a great lineup in Toronto. Now. Were you shocked? I mean, yes, you had no other Blue Jays that made the starting lineup. Or are you okay with this? Because there's so many good players in the American League. On paper, the Toronto Blue Jays should be near the top. Right now, they're sitting 11 games back or 10 and a half games back of Tampa. Okay, Vlad Guerrero, to me, with his numbers right now, would not be an all-star in any other team. 274 with only 12 home runs. Does that sound like an all-star? If you didn't see his name, I, I, just showed you his, I just showed you his yeah, stat line. A couple home runs are in Toronto. If I didn't show you the name and I didn't show you the picture and you just saw the stat line, would you make him an all-star? Yes or no? No. He is electric. He is exciting. He's going to hit the ball far. The only thing he won't do is he won't golf ball one off the ground like his dad did. Okay? I will never forget. No one expects him to. rookie year. No. I would never forget in the rookie year. I don't know if you remember this or not. When Tatis Jr. is in the field playing second or short. And they've got him mic'd up and Vlad's at the plate. And even Fernando Tatis Jr., when that ball hits off, Guerrero Jr.'s bat stops. And he says, oh, damn. One of the most exciting home runs I've seen in my life. In an all-star game. Because here's a guy that just basically jaw-dropped everybody. And he did that in the first year. Rodriguez is doing it in Seattle. Alonzo does it in New York. I mean, the guy is electric when it comes to all-star games. Uh, not since Barry Bonds in his asterisk year have we seen a player be electric at the plate like that. Albert Pujols did it when he was playing in St. Louis. But with his line right now, his stat line right now, 274, 12 home runs, 40-something ribbies, 50-something ribbies, the only all-star I liked is Gaussman. Gaussman has really been fantastic on the ball. On the ball, He's just over a three ERA 
wins losses good. The guy is pitching lights out. And the only reason why the Blue Jays aren't five or six games behind and only 11, Alex Manoa has been, he's got the yips. You know, something happened to Alex's confidence. He's starting to get it back. He's playing double A ball now. Hopefully he returns to the team in a couple of weeks. But we need him to return after the All-Star game to make a run. Because like you said, Tampa's not winning as many games. Still a phenomenal team. We've seen Baltimore slip a little bit. The Yankees are still hitting balls. Look at the damn Yankees. Who the Cardinals just two out two out of three from? Yeah, you know, like it's it's not a a hair. It's a tortoise race. It's not a hair race. So let's see what August rolls. Let's see what the end of July rolls, and then we'll go from there. But it'll be exciting to watch. I know yeah, it's let's see what July kind of 10th, uh, additions. I get it. I get it, man. But I, I cannot wait to watch the home run derby, especially. That's what really got me. I mean, I love baseball, period. But that, that just got me hooked. Watching guys hit balls as far as they can. That's what's got me hooked to the game of baseball. That hit me. Let's put it that way. I mean, home runs bring the long, uh, Exactly. So, um, I'm kind of upset the Futures game is only on Peacock. But, hey, that, that's another tangent for another day. And the Ulster game's on Fox, which, if you have DirecTV, as of right now, you can't even watch it. You can't even watch it. How is that growing the game when these owners of these networks are being so greedy that they're going to take away a channel so close to the damn all-star game? I'd have to go somewhere and watch the damn all-star game. Is that terrible? Because I think it is. Yeah. The I mean, we're... Star game is on. That's a whole different conversation Fox. we okay. can have about TV but, rights and. It shouldn't be an issue because it's on Fox, you But at the same time, at the same time, it's an all-star game conversation. When, when a part of the American population can't watch it, or Canadian for that matter, because you have Direct TV, can't watch it. Yeah, but I'm because not Fox. Uh, yeah. Well, you probably can watch TSN it on the Canadian it, uh, dish, whatever. Some, some TSN and I'll show. Well, you're lucky because because the U.S. unless you have Fox, you do not get it. And Fox is the easiest channel to get. But you're gonna have a lot of pissed off baseball fans. You really are because some people love to watch that. I. I do. I'm sure you, you do. I mean, if you lived in the States and you, they just need to figure out any shout outs, any mentions. Just everyone be careful of shooting fireworks tonight. Uh, lots of things going on. Um, just, uh, yeah, just enjoy the celebration tonight, is what I got to say. Because 
Um, you know, it, it's important to fly the flag. It's important to stay with it. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy the fireworks. Enjoy the celebration. Have a great week. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy your 4th of July. We will see you next week.